Hey there, Greybeardians. Welcome back, and thanks for joining me on another episode of Cybersecurity Greybeard, the podcast that helps students, early professionals, and retrainees learn, grow, and advance in the cybersecurity profession. Make sure to email questions, comments, and episode recommendations to cybergraybeard at gmail.com. Believe it or not, I do respond to comments and questions, so please reach out. Today, on Season 4, Episode 6, Getting More from Your Cybersecurity Employer, I talk about how employees can get even more benefit from their employer than they may already know. Most people figure salary is the only thing that matters when getting a job. This is a major mistake. Healthcare benefits alone can bring upwards of $10,000 per year in additional compensation. 401k programs have the potential ability to beat that number even, depending on your salary, contribution, and company match program. Listen on to hear all about getting more from your cybersecurity employer. Before I get started, I wanted to mention Josh B. Mysola, my mentee in Africa that's trying to relocate to Canada and study cybersecurity. I strongly believe it's important for everyone to help when and where we can, especially those that don't have the life benefits many of us do. I'm sad to say that so far after publicizing this charity for six episodes with over 2,000 downloads, I've raised a total of zero dollars. Now is the time to help out. If I received just one dollar per download, we'd already be two-thirds of the way to the goal. Please help out. You can either search GiveSendGo.com for cybersecurity and select Fund an International Cybersecurity Student or click the link under my episode notes. Now, on with the show. Number one, know your pay. This and number two benefits are what people think about when considering their overall compensation and whether or not to take a job. This is short-sighted. Understand there's a lot more to what employees receive from their employer than just a paycheck and benefits like healthcare. And I'm going to go into that here. Before I get into that detail, though, I want to talk more in detail about pay. Know what you make. It sounds obvious, but it's not. I've known people that either don't know their total pay or they don't know how often they get paid or what's included. Here's an example. Do you get paid every two weeks, which equals 26 paychecks a year? Or do you get paid twice a month, which equals 24 paychecks a year? This has to do with your budgeting and what's included in that package. Sometimes if you're getting an allowance, it only shows up in the first paycheck and not the second. These are things that you need to understand. What are your allowances a part of the pay? When I received my first paycheck at a company, I received an extra $65 and it just said allowance. I didn't even know I was going to be getting that. I figured, okay, well, that's probably for my phone every month. And then I found out, nope, that's every paycheck. I'm like, wow, felt a little silly that I didn't know, but have to learn. I should have asked when I got hired what allowances were included and what does that $65 cover? Was it just my phone? Was it the internet? Was it my office expenses? Does that include stamps? Believe it or not, if you have to mail things. What about ink for your printer? Paper for the printer? Most of us work from home, or certainly a large amount of us work from home, and what does this allowance cover? And does your employer even give you that? And if they don't, how do you get compensated for it? Are you responsible for buying $60 ink cartridges for your printer? What about the paper? What about uh, other ancillary things? Some people even talk about the power, especially with how electricity has gone up. Know what you're getting from your employer and understand what comes out of your pocket if you need to support them with your home office. From day one, know what your salary is or your hourly rate. If you're hourly, what does overtime look like? Is it time and a half always or do you get time and a half up to a certain number of hours and then it becomes double time? Do you get overtime if you work on holidays? If so, which holidays are included and what is the rate of your overtime pay? 
Make sure your employer matches minimum state laws. I know personally that California has very generous employee overtime requirements. I would guess New York is probably very similar to very populous states. I don't know all the laws. I'm just saying that make sure that whatever you're getting paid in overtime is aligned with the state regulations and make sure your employer is not cheating you out of what you deserve. For salaried people, know exactly what you get and understand why. I worked for a company that based the salary on a monthly number. So the annual number was weird. They gave me a certain number and I'm like, well, that's an odd amount. And then I found out why. It's because they divided it by 12 because of the way they did their budgeting. Didn't really matter in the end. I still received the compensation I expected. It was just done in a weird way. And I want to understand exactly what's happening, especially when it comes to pay. Once you know what you're supposed to get, validate every paycheck. I see paychecks that are different often. And I look at it and I want to know why. Sometimes it's because there was a reimbursement from business travel or reimbursement from another benefit that I'll talk about later, like a gym membership or transportation allowance. Sometimes there's a tax that comes out once a month instead of every paycheck. Sometimes taxes go up for your location. Maybe your state or your municipality raise taxes in the middle of the year. Whatever it is, if your tech is even off by more than a dollar, find out why. Quite often you'll see the check is off by a penny that has to do with rounding and it's usually tied to either taxes or your 401k. The bottom line is don't just look and assume that you're going to get what you're going to get. Check your pay stub every single time you get paid and understand the discrepancies. Recently I actually had a situation where I was paid too much and I went back to the team and found out why and it tied into my commission. They made a mistake by giving me all the commission versus a, a base. It doesn't really matter the detail. Bottom line is I was substantially overpaid. I went back to the employer and said, hey, you need to make this right. And lo and behold, the next month they just withhold held the balance. They didn't pull it out. They just withheld it from the next one. You need to be honest. You need to be ethical. And paycheck is a number one area to do that. Always make sure you're getting paid right and make sure you're not taking advantage of your employer. If you're overpaid, let them know. Again, more on commission. If you do receive commissions, they can get really difficult. Make sure you know your allotments. What do you get commissioned on? Is it only on software? Do you get commissioned on hardware? Do you get commissioned on professional services? Is it the same amount on each? Do you have maximums where you can't get any more commission after a certain limit? Do you get accelerators, meaning that you receive larger amounts of commission? If you're not a commissioned employee, are there opportunities for you to receive special payouts because you brought a deal to the company? My last employer, I received thousands of dollars because I knew of a company that wanted to buy more services. I told the seller about it. They went and closed a very large deal and I received thousands of dollars. Don't think you can't have a commission or a bonus because you're not a seller. You very well could. Even the company that I work at now, I have people that are not on the sales team come to me and say, hey, Graybeard, I'm telling you about this opportunity. I know you work on the sales side. Please make sure that I'm coded properly in the deal so I can get money. I always help those folks. We're all sellers and I want to make sure my colleagues receive the proper payment. If you receive a bonus, either annual or based on certain activities or metrics like MBOs, management business objectives or managed by objectives, different people call it MBO something different, but track your MBOs meticulously. It could be something as simple as how many hours you worked or how many deals you worked on, how many support tickets you closed, how many vulnerability scans you did, how many customer accolades you received. Whatever it is, know what your MBO payout is track it regularly and make sure at the end of the year when the bonuses come, you can give them your MBO numbers and say, hey, look, I met my numbers. 
let's talk about benefits. This is really the second most important area. I'm going to spend a bit of time on this, and then I have five or six other areas that I want folks to know about to get the most out of your employer. The number one benefit, and I mentioned it in the beginning, healthcare. It's the most important for most of us. If your spouse has health care, closely see which is better. My wife and I go through this every time one of us changes a job. And in the past 12 years, we've probably done this about eight or 10 times. Sometimes my employer covers the family. Sometimes her employer covers the family. Her current employer actually offers such great benefits. We made about $7,500 just because her company picked up so much of the, the payments on the health care. Normally, I think people would just look at it and say, ah, eh, Greybeard already has it. Great. His wife has a new job. Just stick with Greybeards. It's no big deal. If we went down that path, we would have been out over $7,000. You need to make sure you know what the healthcare offer is, whose is better, and then take it. One thing I also did learn, and this is important, if one of the two of you is on the other's healthcare, find out if your employer will pay you for not covering you. I actually made $15 a paycheck. It's really not that much money. It was $350 a year. But hey, it's $350, right? My employer gave me $15 a paycheck simply because I was on my wife's insurance. My employer didn't have to make payments for me. They made a hell of a lot more than $15 a month. And I guess as a courtesy, they ended up giving it to me. If your organization has any unions, that also can pay off. It's a major reason why the place that my wife works now offers us such great health care. While she's not a union member, the union negotiation helps salaried employees. I don't know anything about that. I just know thank you to the unions because she has such a great deal and was such a great company. We both really benefit from it financially. I want you to know that so you can go and search the same thing for you. When you're looking at healthcare, understand the differences between a PPO, a personal provider organization, an HMO, a health management organization, and all the other options. Honestly, I don't know jack about this stuff. I'm fortunate my wife deals with the healthcare. I know it's very expensive, it's very complicated, and you need to know as much as you can so you can benefit from it financially, and more importantly, make sure you have the healthcare that you and your family need. The younger you are, the cheaper it is, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners out there are saying, look, Graybeard, I'm 24, I'm healthy, I don't care, it's no big deal. I get it, good for you, that's great. Understand it when you're 24, so when you do get married and or you do have children, you understand exactly what you're looking at because this is worth thousands and thousands of dollars to you. Do not miss out on this critical benefit. The next one, 401k. I'm going to go into a little bit of detail here, but I really recommend those of you that are interested in the 401k and that are interested in the financial aspect, go listen to season four, episode four, where I spend 15 or 20 minutes giving financial guidance. As I've mentioned before, I actually have a degree in economics. My father is a financial advisor. I've done finances for over 30 years. I'm very, very familiar with finances and I am in love with 401ks. Everybody has to sign up for your 401k. This is free money. I suggest that you do at least 10% no matter what your employer matches. However, if that's too much, and I can understand that, at least contribute equal to what the employer matches. So if they do 100% of the first 4%, put in 4%. If they do 100% of the first 3% and 50% of the next 4%, that's a 5% raise for you. Put in 7% in that case. Use this benefit. Put money into the 401k, not negotiable. You absolutely have to put it in at least to match what the employer matches. PTO, personal time off. Sick versus PTO. This is really important. Does your employer allow you to use your sick time at will or are the healthy, what I consider punished, 
or driven to the quote blue flu. What I mean by that is if you get 15 days a year to use it as you want, it's either sick or vacation, that's great. That means you get three weeks of time off to use how you want. Some companies will do two weeks vacation, five days or one week of sick. And if you're not sick, you don't get to use those days. I don't like that. I think what that does is it makes people, oh, I don't feel well today, so I'm going to do a Ferris Bueller and I'm going to say I'm sick, but I'm going to go to the ballpark. I don't like having to lie, but the truth is I'm a healthy guy. I don't want to be punished because I'm healthy and I don't get to use that week of sick time. Work that out with your boss. Work that out with your employer, but definitely understand when you have PTO how they handle sick time. You should have at least three weeks minimum. And that includes three weeks full, like I just said, or two plus one. PTO is 100% pay. So if you don't use it, you're working for free. And what I mean by that is if you get three weeks a year, take those three weeks off. If you're not going to do it and they don't let you bank it, you lose the money and you're literally working for free. Really make sure to understand if you can carry over this leave or PTO or if it's use it or lose it, which I just talked about. Use it or lose it is exactly that. You have until December 31st, and if you do not use all 15 days, you cannot carry it over. Next year, the next day, January 1, you start at zero, and you begin your accrual again. In that case, use your PTO. In the past, employees could save up to two months vacation and then take it as a payout when they resigned. That's changed over the last few years because companies have to account for PTO as a liability on their finances. To remove that liability and make their finances look more profitable, companies put in place different mechanisms, primarily use it or lose it like I just said. Other companies have what's called unlimited PTO. That's a misnomer. You really think you can just go take every day as PTO? It's silly. It's not unlimited. It is a subjective mechanism for your boss to determine whether you could take time off or not. I do not like unlimited PTO. I want a set number of days that I can take and use it however I want for sick time or for vacation time. Make sure you understand it. When you have allocated days, they are yours. When it is unlimited, it's up to your manager's discretion. Understand that, know it, and negotiate it as best you can and try and get as many days of PTO. Nowadays, I think five weeks is a big thing. Good for you. I've never in my 30 years had five weeks PTO. I don't even know if I could use all that. After two weeks, I kind of start to feel bad and bored. But if you can get five weeks, God bless you, do it. That is a benefit for you. And five weeks is more than a 10% raise. I'm not going to get into that. If you really want to know what I mean by it, shoot me a note. The next one is something called GLI or Group Life Insurance. This is usually a free life insurance policy or very, very low amount, a few dollars a month or a few dollars a paycheck. Basically what happens is the company, all the employees are in a major policy and the insurers give great discounts plus your employer puts money in to pay the premiums. It's usually about one times your salary. Sometimes your employer will let you up it if you want and pay for an additional amount to get two times or three times your salary. I definitely recommend you take advantage at least at one time your salary, depending on what your other life insurance programs are. But keep in mind, it's so cheap anyway, just a few dollars. Another benefit is life insurance. For the family, it's low-cost ancillary coverage where your employer pays a part of the premium as they do for the group life. If you don't have another policy, I definitely recommend signing up for this. Everybody needs life insurance no matter your age. The life insurance is not for the insured. It is for the survivors. And if you're not married and you don't have kids, you still have parents and you have siblings, you want to make sure that they have something behind, if nothing else, than to be able to take care of your expenses. I don't want to dwell on the morbidity of the life insurance. Sign up for it. There's extras, transportation allowance. A lot of companies will provide free tokens or cash 
when employees carpool, take mass transit, or bike or even walk to work. See if your employer will do that, especially if you live in a big city. Gym membership and reimbursement. Healthy employees work more than sick employees. For this reason, employers pay for gym memberships and sometimes home equipment. They want employees exercising to stay healthy. My wife's employer grants an allowance, and I actually was able to buy for us weightlifting equipment, a bench, and then the next year, we were able to buy a gym membership. If you're a biker, you can probably get a new bike from a program like this. If you hike or rock climb or water ski, in all likelihood, equipment for that is all eligible for the gym membership or healthcare reimbursements. Check with HR and see what programs they offer and what expenses they'll cover. This is a big area for people to save. If you have a gym membership for 50 or 60 bucks a month and your employer is going to cover that for you, you're talking a six or $700 raise right there. I'm not done yet. There are still more benefits. And even though I'm running long on this episode, this is a financial benefit to you guys. I'm going to go long and I hope you keep listening. The next one is travel. This is definitely a perk of certain jobs. However, make sure your employer does not take advantage of you. If you travel for work, make sure you can set the logistics or have substantial involvement with that. Logistics are where do you stay? When is your flight? Where are you sitting? Things of that nature. Some firms want people taking leave on Sunday and then coming back on Friday. What I mean by that is you fly out on a Sunday evening, you come back Friday, and this is really for consultants or implementation engineers or deployment engineers. Sunday to Friday is rough. If you can, try and say, look, I'm going to fly out Monday morning and I want to come back Thursday night. These are things that you can negotiate with both your employer and the customer. Let the employer know that you want to book your own travel or have a say. Otherwise, you're going to end up with red-eye flights and you're going to stay at Motel 6. Without controller involvement, you literally do run the risk of going out very early, very late, returning on a weekend or leaving on a weekend. If the employer dictates, they will do it based on cost. Remember, you are giving up time with your family, your friends, your pets, and the comfort of your home. You are entitled to not suffering vile logistics, including cramped back seats on a plane, paying to check your luggage, or paying for a seat upgrade. Your employer should cover all reasonable costs, and that includes luggage and better seats. If travel is involved, make sure it's to your liking. If you want to travel 50% of the time and the job is only 10%, you may want to think about a different job. If they want you traveling half the time and you want to travel 10% of the time, that's going to be a real problem and you're going to become unhappy very quickly. So make sure that you look for another job or let them know real quickly you don't want to be on the road any more than one or two days a week, two or three weeks a month. While on the road, a major benefit is the opportunity to experience other cities, states, and even countries. Eat local food, have local drinks, beer or whiskey that's local. The first time I ever had a bourbon barrel beer was in Kentucky when I was in my mid-30s. I never even heard of it before. I was at a bar and I said, I like a local beer. He gave me this bourbon barrel beer. It was disgusting. But hey, I got to try it. I enjoyed the experience of the bourbon barrel beer, but to this day, I won't drink it. I've been blessed. Uh, I, I say that people should go out and listen to local bands or go to a local sporting event. I actually have watched hockey in 19 different arenas. The majority coming from my business travel. Take advantage. When you travel international or you're going really far, maybe you live in San Diego and you're going to take a trip to Boston, that's a hoof. That's a five to six hour flight. Stay the weekend. Go see the North Church. Go to Mike's Confectionery in Boston. There's so much to see. Take advantage. Business trips should not be just for business. Enjoy yourself. It is a perk from your employer. Expenses. When you're dealing with the travel, make sure that you have legitimate reimbursable policies. The employer will be as cheap as possible, so make sure you know the policy. Are you on a per diem, which means that they give you a certain allowance per day? Do they reimburse you for your receipts? 
Are there limits on those receipts? Always be responsible. Always be reasonable. Don't go out and buy a $200 bottle of wine. But if you want to go ahead and have a couple of beers, I don't see a problem with that. Some employers will not reimburse for alcohol. I won't work for those employers. It's not that I'm a drunk. It's that I like to relax and have fun. And if I were at home, I might have a beer or two. So why can't I do it on the road? And I shouldn't be having to pay out of my pocket six or seven dollars for a beer when it would be a dollar at home. So that's a showstopper for me. If there's showstoppers for you, make sure that your employer knows about it. Remember, you are working for them and they need to compensate you for travel as well as the work. Be fair and reasonable. Don't stay at top-end hotels. That's going to just upset them. No Waldorf Astoria. But in the same regard, you shouldn't have to stay at a Motel 6 or a Howard Johnson's. You should be able to stay at a Hilton Garden Inn or a mid-tier Marriott, something along those lines. Get the reimbursement. Stay at a legitimate place. Be fair to your employer, and they'll be fair to you. Home office equipment. I touched on this a bit in the beginning, but I want to go a little bit more in detail than just talking about a phone reimbursement or for printers. Post-COVID, a lot of IT professionals are working at home, at least part-time. What allowances are you given for the mobile and the internet that we already talked about? But more importantly, what are you getting for equipment to work on? Are they just giving you a laptop and that's it? Do they buy you a mouse? Will they buy you a mouse? What about another monitor so you have more productivity? My former employer, a multi-billion dollar global IT firm, gave me nothing. I personally spent $500 on a docking station, two additional monitors, and an arm that will house three monitors, all out of my pocket. My new employer, they provided everything. They gave me the docking station. When it went dead, they sent me another one. They reimbursed me for a new mouse, for a new keyboard, whatever I needed that was legitimate. They either sent it to me or they allowed me to expense it. What about a new camera? Looking at a camera on your laptop doesn't do any good if you're in a docking station. Will your employer buy you a $30 camera? External mice, they provide better ergonomics and allow people to work faster. I don't want to use the touchpad on my laptop. I want a $30 mouse and I don't want to pay for it. Try pushing even further and ask about an ergonomic desk chair. I've seen companies provide up to $150 allowance for that. Get what you can as you're the employee. You're giving your employer the productivity. And in today's world, they're hurting for good people. And I'm sure you're a good person, a good employee, listening to this podcast, trying to better yourself. Don't be afraid to ask. If the company benefits and you benefit from an enhanced production and better health, think about back pain with a better chair or lack thereof. Carpal tunnel syndrome, that puts you down. But if you have a better keyboard, a better mouse, those go away. The employer benefits and the employer should pay for it. Training is another massive benefit to the employee and the employer. Understand what your company offers and take advantage to the nth degree. When I was younger, my company paid for my master's program and another company paid for me to get my MCSE. I'm not just talking about external training with college degrees, certifications, or executive programs. Think about the internal training as well. When you're interviewing or if you're already working, find out about the LMS, the learning management system, or training on the company information. A couple weeks ago, I talked about starting a new cybersecurity job, well, we need to know about the layout of the company, who does what. There's got to be training for that. Make sure that your employer is pointing you in the right direction for it and that they are paying for additional external training and internal. Mentorship programs. When I was at the large global company and the large global company my wife works for, both of them have mentor programs. And they're designed for everybody. It's not just junior staff. Find out what programs your organization offers and then connect to more senior staff. When I worked at the last company, I had a distinguished engineer as my mentor, and he had a fellow as his mentor. We each wanted to get to the next level. You should look for that in your company. 
kudos programs. There's point programs or a pat on the back, public acknowledgement, etc. These are programs that the companies have. It's usually run by human resources and there are systems in there so employees can thank others or send an appreciation. Sometimes there's even money involved. My last company gave every employee $50 per year to hand out in small chunks to say thanks. Usually you would do a quarter at a time, so you're giving somebody $12.50 as a gift card. But if they get that three, four, five times, they're getting $50 or $75 in gift cards. It's one way for employees to thank others. It's called a kudos program. Find out if your company offers that. Patents. Does your company have the opportunity for you to work on a patent team? If so, highly recommend it. It's a great experience and it's pretty cool if you get a patent, you get to tell folks about it, you can put it on your wall and just take pride in the fact that you have created something. Clubs or teams. Some places I've worked for actually have a softball team or an indoor soccer league. There's all kinds of different things that companies want people to get together. Post-COVID, it's going to be a little bit different, but still find out what there is. Especially if you're younger and you just moved to a new area and you don't know a lot of people, but you're working in the office, find out what your company does. My daughter's younger. She's in her mid-20s and she works in New York. They go out together to ball games. They've gone to the, the Nets. I know they've gone out to social events in the evening, to dinners. And it's a good way for her to get to know the people and them to get to know her. These are extra benefits and they're picked up by the company. So, hey, you get to go to a ball game every now and then. Find out what else is out there. What about games and other engaging events, picnics or sporting events like I mentioned? My daughter was able to go to the Nets game. About 15 years ago, I worked for a firm that took us to a Washington Nationals baseball game. It's the whole company too. It was a big deal. They shut down for the day. Everybody that was based in the Virginia office got to go. There's a lot out there and it's really nice because you feel as though you're a part of something more than yourself. It's a great way for the employer to gain value from the employees and loyalty and find out what's out there for you. And then the last one, social engagement. A lot of people want to give back. I did this when I worked at my last firm. I worked on a cybersecurity program to help enhance a local public school district. We worked for about six weeks on a a project to help identify where they had weaknesses and what they needed to work on. It was a social engagement sponsored by my employer. I did it during the work day. They ended up paying me for it, and the local school district received a large benefit from it. With that said, I know it's a long episode, but I'm excited to be able to talk to you guys about these benefits. If you take advantage, you may find hundreds, if not thousands of extra dollars by gaining these benefits from your employer. Have a great day and we'll talk again next week.